Welcome on board a daily adventure to discover true wisdom, authentic hope, a stronger faith, and profound joy. This is the Debbie Chavez Show. You're the shining star, no matter who you are. Shining bright to see what you can truly be, what you can truly be. Welcome, friends and neighbors. It is wonderful to be back together again with each and every one of you linking arms together as we journey through this life together toward hope, wisdom, and joy. And on the program today, we're going to deal with the really sensitive topic of recovering from abuse, childhood abuse, marital abuse, whatever it might be, dating abuse, you know, happened in a relationship when you were dating, whatever it is, it's deeply scarring. Uh, Sometimes you feel like you're a victim forever, and yet you kind of know that's not God's plan for you, especially if you've become a follower of Jesus Christ. You're pretty sure that's not supposed to be your identity forever, you know, victim. Uh, But how do you recover from that abuse and heal from it and, and kind of reclaim your true identity? Well, my guest has gone through all of this and has written a whole book on the subject. That would be speaker, author, singer, Brenda Crouch. Hello there, Brenda. Hey, Debbie. So good to be with you this morning. Oh, I'm so glad to have you on board. I feel like we could be twinsies, Brenda, because honestly, your story is, well, not all of it, but some of it is very similar to mine. You're, you tell your story in your new book called Fight Forward. Uh, and and let's pick up a little bit, uh, you know, where you start the book, which is kind of uh, unpacking the unraveling, really, of some uh, memories of childhood abuse, which uh, this is sort of a mysterious thing that a lot of people aren't really familiar with. But often when we suffer deep trauma, sexual abuse or physical abuse or whatever, you know, serious stuff when we're very young, we tend to like as a coping mechanism, stuff it somewhere in the back of our mind and then shut that file cabinet drawer, boom, it's locked, no one's opening that thing, and we it, we can actually move forward in our lives and not really recall for quite some time what actually happened in terms of abuse, and that's your story, isn't it? Tell us a little bit about uh, when you became aware of, uh, of abuse. Well, I was about, uh, it was in my late teen years that I began to have these repetitive, reoccurring dreams. Yeah. And there were several of them that, to this day, I remember vividly. Yeah. I always woke up um, feeling just very shameful, very dirty, um, mm-hmm. and it was and, and repulsed, you know, even yeah. uh, with just even with myself, and I just didn't understand it. Mm-hmm. And my father was always in those dreams, mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. I carried those, you know, continued to have those dreams throughout the years. And then it would be in probably my early 40s that Mm. I began to try to be courageous enough to, um, you know, broach the subject with my father after Mm -hmm. I'd had some counseling. And and I was told by a counselor that I was just a textbook example because of the, you know, uh, the things that I'd experienced in life, abuse and and even my coping mechanisms, yeah. my, my defense mechanisms. Mm-hmm. So these things really can be stuff, and you're right, it, it is from the trauma. Yeah. And you know, so often when victims of abuse, when they were young children, and they stuff these uh, memories, they really are disassociating from the trauma. Yes. And it's, it's really a, a survival mechanism. Mm-hmm. Our, you know, our psyche is just so fragile, and, yeah. and it's a way of self-protecting, I think. Mm-hmm. And this has probably really been, it's taken a lot of criticism by people who don't understand who have never been through abuse. Right. But when these things happen, you know, it's something that I firmly believe 
but it's very important to have the Holy Spirit involved yes. in that journey, you know, mm-hmm. because it, it is a, a, it's a pretty critical thing, and to be, you know, you don't want to stand in a place of accusing people of things that they didn't do. Yes, exactly. But boy, you're, you are kind of the textbook case, and boy, I can't tell you how many women have had the same thing happen, that it's in their 40s. That seems to be like the magic decade. I don't know what's up with that, but maybe it's because we're mature enough at that point or whatever that God says, okay, I think it's time for you to now slow open that file cabinet yeah. drawer in your brain. We're going to handle right. this together. You're mature enough now. We can deal with it. Maybe you have a support system that you didn't have when you were younger. Is that sort of your experience? I do believe so. And, and I think that, you know, because we are such a, a work in, in progress, it, it, you know, it's a process of, of growing and maturing and becoming yeah. more courageous and, mm-hmm. and where I think we're able to really get more honest if if you really want to get down to Mm. it, where we're able to Mm. really look at and examine the things that we carry and that we bury within ourselves. Yes. And such was my own process as the Lord began to unravel, you know, the exterior facades that I projected Mm. to make myself more lovable. Mm. And I want to point out that Mm. it was really on my father's deathbed that everything was confirmed because... In my 40s, you know, I tried to broach that subject subject with him, and he was not ready and, yeah. and quickly dismissed it. Yeah. And so I always knew someone had done something, but I just couldn't put my finger on exactly. Mm-hmm. I knew what had happened, but yeah. I didn't know who right. for sure. I, I had an idea. And, you know, it was on my father's deathbed that he confessed and asked my forgiveness. Mm-hmm. What, a, what a beautiful gift that he gave to you. And that's not going to be oh, the, the same thing for every woman listening right now. We'd all wish right. that that would be the case, that you kind right. of be put out of your misery and have your questions answered. And someone say, yes, yeah. that is true. Those memories are true. What a gift, in a sense, he gave you on his deathbed. And you were actually yeah. able to pray with him to accept Jesus? Yes. Wow. He he had been a follower of Christ, mm-hmm. um, but, you know, I think we have to look at what that word really means. Yes. And this is where, you know, the rubber meets the road. And, you know, grace was always there for him, mm-hmm. and yet he carried this, these secrets and this shame because my father had also been a victim of abuse. Yeah. And so, you know, mm-hmm. when, when we see these things play out generationally, it's like this curse and yeah. this mindset that mm-hmm. we can't break free from mm-hmm. without the help of God. Yeah. And so I believe that it's because I had bathed it in prayer for many years, yeah. and I asked God for this, mm-hmm. that, you know, and because of what was um, the respect that my father did have for the Lord, mm-hmm. he had, when he came to the end of the road, he mm-hmm. knew, I cannot face God. Yeah. I cannot go into eternity with mm-hmm. this. Mm. being not, you know, unforgiven. Yeah. And so mm. it was, you know, it forced, it kind of forced him into that position of needing to ask, to repent and ask forgiveness. And yeah. so I had already worked through it, and God had given me the grace then to stand with him and to be able to pray for him and yes. say, Dad, you've got to forgive yourself. And he couldn't forgive himself. Mm-hmm. But then we, 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 were, we prayed and we... Yeah. He was able to accept the forgiveness that Jesus offers. And what a beautiful thing, yes. you know, because I really believe that what my story has been about and the purpose behind it is that God will take what the enemy means for harm mm-hmm. and he will turn it and use it for, for good, yes. not just for my good, but now for the good of others who are hurting, who are bound, who don't know how to be free. Yeah. And so I truly believe that part of why God did reveal and confirm is so that I can 
truly in an honest place say, this is what God can do for you. Yes. And he does restore and makes all things new again. But that doesn't come from just simply, uh, you know, one aspect of uh, psychology or the things that we try to do to fix ourselves. Yeah. It comes to the work, the inner work of the transformation mm-hmm. of the inner man by the, the, the Word of God and the Holy Spirit and good counsel. Well, let, let's kind of go back now again, because we sort of fast-forwarded to the deathbed, sure. you know, <laughs> moment there, which was so beautiful again. But, but let's kind of go back now, because often when someone suffers, whether it's sexual abuse as a child or severe physical abuse or severe emotional abuse, whatever, you know, these deep traumas, uh, they tend to start to shape your identity or the beliefs you have about yourself. And so you, uh, even though you hadn't quite even remembered these traumatic memories, as you started, you know, becoming a teenager, uh, you were a little bit broken inside. I think that'd be a fair way to say that. And and so you started to, to find try to find your identity with singing. And tell us a little bit about how that brokenness started to shape your journey as you became a teen and young adult. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I was just um, cloaked in shame, and I didn't like myself, and I didn't really understand that or, or have the maturity to really even be able to analyze that or, or recognize it, but I yeah. just knew that I didn't like myself, and I felt shameful, mm. and I really, truly believe that it's because of that sexual abuse that twisted my identity yeah. and wrapped me in shame and self-rejection. So that then as I began to grow into this young lady, I, I began to recognize the talents that I had. And, yeah. you know, I came from a beautiful family. And um, so I began to try to become this glamorous image. And I was living in Nevada where, you know, the entertainment um, industry was all around me. And so oh, make sure you hold the phone. Make sure you hold the phone mouthpiece up right up to your mouth there because you're drifting away. <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. There you go. Can you hear me better? Yes. So this, I was this wide-eyed little girl that, um, you know, I was taking in all the culture really around me and trying to become an image that I thought was going to be more lovable. Mm. And, you know, at the same time, I was raised uh, by my mother in a Christian home. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, you know, my family attended church. My mother was full of the word, and she was a prayer warrior, and I really, truly believe that that was my lifeline. Mm. But in my own search for identity, I reached out for this image, and and I took the talents that I had, and and I started to become Brenda the singer, and Mm -hmm. I thought, this is why I was born. Mm. And you know that God does give us gifts for purpose, and that is part of what we're born for. But, you know, when we put our identity in that thing, that's not really who we are. Right. And it would take a lifetime, <laughs> really, mm-hmm. for me to have to then unravel later on to find out that that, that wasn't who I was. Yeah. Mm. So you, you first are trying to find your identity in singing and such, and I'm going to fast forward a little bit here. And then you find this guy, or this guy enters your life, and and he seems awesome, of course, because everyone seems awesome at the outset, right? Um, and, and so we're going to just kind of fast forward here. But, I mean, right away, within, I think you said, three months of your wedding day, physical abuse began. So tell us about this. Yeah, I, you know, think that I was, what I did was I tried to carry out uh, what I thought God would want for my life, and I, I desired to be in ministry as 
uh, you know, I came from a long line of pastors and preachers and missionaries on my mother's side of the family. Mm-hmm. Um, on my father's side of the family, and I, I'm telling you this for a reason, were, was, you know, addiction and uh, drugs and alcohol and incest and all these things, these dark things. So I had this strange combination of dynamics, you know, going on. And um, so in, I think that my position was I was trying to fix my world and, mm-hmm. and become... And so I chose something based on an image, mm-hmm. and I attracted um, because I didn't love myself or know who I was, and I was projecting an image. I attracted, a, you know, someone that would also embrace a counterfeit, uh-huh. and you know, just want me for to be an arm piece and not really love me for me. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I met this person that had gone to Bible college and was an evangelist and you know, said all the things that you want to hear, and, and uh, I thought everything was aligning the way God would want it to be for me. Mm-hmm. And I was really not understanding the process of, of you know, the honesty of, of that relationship with God and how He cares about how we're treated and, and all those little things. And, and so mm-hmm. I went into this relationship totally blind, yeah. and married a, really a, a perfect stranger because it was a long-distance relationship. Mm. On our wedding day, really was where the huge red flag actually began. I was thrown out of a car, and I write about it in the book, yeah. on, on the way to the honeymoon. Yeah. And then three months later, the physical abuse began, and, and mm. Um, mm. you know, there was like a stranglehold in, a chokehold on me in, in mm. bed one night oh. uh, after I was you know, a very quiet argument, and he just, he snapped, and wow. it scared me, and uh, I, I go into more detail in the book, but, yeah. you know, I didn't know what to do, and yes. I... Well, I especially wasn't. because you're a Christian woman, and, and we and we kind of get, I mean, and I'm not blaming the church, but we tend to get indoctrinated with, well, you know, I mean, just stick it yeah. out, be submit to your husband, maybe it's your fault even, because maybe you've not been submitting well enough, maybe if you just showed him more respect. I mean, we, we can t- tend to get these these wrong messages, or or let's just exactly. face it, that divorce is not an option unless there's adultery, so unless you can prove that, I'm yeah. sorry, you're out of luck, exactly. you're just going to have to stay with this guy, right? Yeah, that's exactly what was going on, and I had, so I didn't know what to do with it, and yeah. and I had been taught all my life that divorce was just right. not even in the vocabulary, Yeah, yeah. and, uh, that, you know, you submit to your husband and all these things that, you know, I didn't understand what, what is God's idea of submission, you yes, know, yes. so I think that those are the, the lies and the, the mm-hmm. false narrative that mm-hmm. many times Christian women mm-hmm. are listening to, and they end up you know, bound in a very dangerous situation. Yeah. So tell us a little bit, because I know that there are some women tuning in that this is their story, that they are currently in an abusive marriage, um, and maybe they're struggling with their church saying, hey, you know, you're just going to stick it out. Divorce is not an option. Uh, What would you say to that woman today? Well, I believe that we have to understand, first of all, that we cannot fix the other person. Yeah. And, you know, so often... In, it can be that the other person has also been abused, but they have to come to a place where they choose to show up for their own life, where mm-hmm. they choose mm-hmm. to be present in their relationships, and for that those relationships to be based in godly honor and grace and mercy and love. Mm-hmm. And it is not love that will tell you, I love you, but then stroke you with their hand, yeah. uh, or, or, you know, put words of shame and condemnation on you and Mm. so I think that 
not every abusive situation, you can't take a cookie cutter and right. say that they're all the same because there are so many levels mm-hmm. to the nature of abuse. Yeah. And to um, and I think that this really has to be a journey with God yeah. where um, the woman commits her life completely to God and understands that he is the husband to the husbandless. We have to come to a place where we understand that codependency, mm. and this is what the Lord showed me, mm-hmm. codependency in my life was idolatry. Ooh. And here's the reason why, Debbie, because when we allow, when we put a person yeah. in the place that only God belongs, mm. then what we have done is we have erected an idol. Ooh. And we have said, I choose that person to control my life. I choose that person to serve instead of God. Yeah. And, you know, Jesus in, Mount, in the book of Matthew, Jesus said, you think that I have come to bring peace, but I've not come to bring peace. I've come to bring a sword. Hmm. And then he begins to mention different relationships that he puts the sword to. And I was blown away when the Lord showed me this at, the, at this point of my life where I had to um, walk away and I had to draw a boundary. Yeah. And God said, it isn't about, you know, we're looking at the surface of things, mm. and we panic because of the way things appear. Mm. And in our church systems, you know, we, we start to just get a little anxiety when things don't look godly. Sometimes God is in the unraveling. Mm. Sometimes He's in putting the, in the severing, mm. because He wants to make straight what is crooked within us. And mm. often it requires mm. that we are in the safety and, you know, the harness of His Word and the safety of um, realigning with Him. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. only that woman that's listening can know whether she can do that in her home mm. and in the system that she's in. Yeah. Now, if she's in danger, then she's got to look at this for what it is. Yes. If, if she's being beaten, if she's being threatened, if her life is being threatened, yes. if she has children that yes. she's raising this kind of system, you have got to wake up yeah. and you've got to do something yes. to preserve the life because you're not only responsible for your life, but for your children and they're yes. growing up seeing this as mm-hmm. normal, that love does these things but mm. it does not. Oh, that's such so, a good word. That's such a good word. And you know what, we're going to take a quick break, Brenda, but when we come back, let's move ahead in your book because I really want to get to some of the uh, important uh, insights you have about inner vows and and you know the faulty foundations that we sometimes have and and how to you know how to deal with generational curses and is that you know a real thing right and how do you move from being a victim to being an overcomer and embracing your true identity so we have lots ahead stay tuned my guest is speaker author singer brenda crouch her new book is called fight forward there's more to talk radio than politics the debbie chavez show your source for hope and wisdom for all of life's challenges. Get free access to Debbie's recent shows at faithplace.org and on iTunes. You know what I love to smell? I love to smell a ham bacon in the oven or bacon sizzling in that skillet. Ooh, or maybe some German sausage roasting on the grill. You know what I don't love? I don't love to read the weird ingredients listed on the back of most of those packages of meat. Who needs that junk? That stuff is about as useful as a back pocket on your T-shirt. When it comes to your family's health, it's time for you to fish or cut bait. You need to start buying your hams, bacon, and sausage from a quality supplier like Hempler's Meats. 
Hempler's uses the finest of ingredients, like old-fashioned natural casings and all-natural spices. Plus, Hempler's products contain no fillers. To place your order, go to Hempler's.com. Just about nothing is more frustrating than having your internet service go down. And when your service is too slow, that can drive a person crazy. Whether you live in a remote area of the Northwest or in a city, StarTouch Broadband Services is your answer for super quick and reliable service. For almost 20 years, StarTouch has provided high quality wireless broadband connections on its privately owned microwave and fiber optic network. StarTouch provides both business and residential service across Washington State and is now expanding into Oregon and Idaho too. Learn more at StarTouch.com. Don't have time or energy to keep up with your yard work? That's for sure. And that's why we choose Kane's Lawn and Garden, and we have for years. If you live in Whatcom County, Kane's Lawn and Garden can help you with the mowing, the edging, the shrub care and pruning, property weed control, general property cleanup, whatever you need. Give them a call to get a quote, 360-312-9524, or visit their website, caneslawnandgarden.com. caneslawnandgarden.com. Surely my God is the strength of my soul Your love defends me Your love defends me And when I feel I'm all alone Your love defends me Your love defends me Back on the program with speaker, author, singer Brenda Crouch. Her new book is called Fight Forward. And uh, in the book, you talk about uh, some things that might be terms that people could have possibly heard, but they're not really sure what it all means. And one of those things that you mentioned is inner vows. First of all, what are inner vows and how do these things play a role? An inner vow is something that you promise yourself uh, when you've been hurt or wounded or betrayed by someone and you tell yourself that will never happen again um, and I will, you know, I won't trust. Uh, you know, these types of things, and I think that they can be often very dangerous. And what we really are needing is to learn healthy boundaries. Mm. And, you know, and our vows should be with God Mm. and to be aligned with His heart and to learn that He actually wants to empower us so that as we forgive others and as we learn to walk in His grace, which is sufficient for us, we can choose to serve, and we are never in a place where we're totally controlled by others mm. or hurt by others because we are we are protected by the grace and the blood mm. of Jesus. Mm, that's good. That's good. And and you mentioned generational curses earlier in our interview, but I thought we, we should circle back around to that as well because this is yeah. something that, again, people might have heard of this, but it's like, well, what does that even mean? So can you unpack this mm-hmm. for us? Generational curses? Yeah. Um. I really believe that these stem from mindsets and the faulty foundations, which I also write about, that um, are often environmental. You know, we we grow up in families and environments that teach us certain things, certain narratives that, you know, as we process through life and as, as the Lord begins to work in our lives and in our hearts and teach us in His Word, we begin to see that some of those things are actually based in lies. Mm. And so... These mindsets that we get are often the gateway for uh, 
you know, demonic lives or demonic strongholds. And mm. listen, these activities, this sexual abuse and any kind of abuse, that's, that is demonic. Yes. That's just not something that any human should want to do to another human. Right. But, but like I said, it comes through mm. that gateway. That's the chink in the chain mm. is that the broken system is these mindsets. Mm. And so mm. people are reacting to, you know, what they perceive as it's triggering their fear or whatever, mm. and so the, the abuse, the abused person, then later can become the abuser. Mm-hmm. And so God wants to break these cycles, and so yeah. we've got to really look at the foundations and where they come from, and mm. and that is that is a huge part of the process of healing. And so for you, how did you, or how did God navigate you through that process of, of recognizing faulty foundations, faulty mindsets, uh, and in a sense breaking the generational curse? How did how did can, maybe you can walk us through how that worked out for you? Well, I'm not going to say that it's an easy process, Debbie, but no. I am going to say that it's um, it's a it's a beautiful process in its own way because if you're walking with the Lord and if Jesus is your best friend, the Holy Spirit is your comforter, and He is your counselor and your guide, mm-hmm. and He will He can show you things. See, this is about revelation. Yeah. He will show you things that maybe a hundred other people have tried to tell you. You know, we all have a blind spot, yes, right? Yes. We all have that place that we just can't see, but everybody else can tell us because we've got that beam in our eye, you know, and mm-hmm. we want to correct everybody else, but we don't see where we're broken or where we're doing something or, or we can't perceive the truth. And so it, that is a journey of walking with the Lord and, and allowing Him and inviting Him in. And that's what I did. I said, guys, I I don't want to be the Brenda that continues to attract the wrong thing into our life mm. or continues to think like a victim. Yeah. And I begin to ask him to mm. change me, to transform me, and to teach me how to become the victor. Yes. But I didn't want to do that through um, my flesh or through mm. you know, my anger or bitterness. But that's where those vows, come, those inner vows come into play. Yeah. And I knew that God was calling me to step into a place of freedom. Mm. And we can't do that without it. We just can't. Mm. So for me, in my journey, it, you know, it was progressive, and it continues to be. For as long sure. as we're on this earth, we are a, a work in progress. Yeah. And we're becoming more and more like Christ, you know, from glory to glory. Mm. And so I like to say those are those aha moments where I stand with faith unveiled mm. before the Lord. Mm. And I peer into the glory, the mirror of His glory, where then I see myself as loved, as clothed in His righteousness, yes. and as a nut of Jesus. Mm, mm, Not that I'm on my own. I'm enough because of Jesus and the price that He paid for me. Mm. So it's, a, it's definitely a journey. Yes. And I, wrote my book, I wrote my book to actually be a journey for the reader, yeah. and a safe place for the reader to be able to kind of unwind and take the mask off and lay it down in the privacy of their cocoon, mm-hmm. and so to speak, and, and just invite the Lord in 
and journey with him as they read this book. Yeah, and and you talk about um, you know, again moving from this victim mindset, this victim identity, which continues to invite continued abuse. Uh, moving from that yeah. to that victim, uh, excuse me, that overcomer mindset. But you, you talk about in the book how some of this was realizing codependent thinking that you needed to get rid of, which is again looking to yeah. someone else to to uh, you know, speak value to you or to let you know that yeah. you're important or loved or secure, and you can't you can't look to a human being for that. That is codependency, right? You have to look to the Lord. And then you talk about also that you realized that you were trying to find your identity in the wrong places. Can you unpack that just a little bit more? Well, you know, like I said earlier, we find identity often in uh, the things that we do, things we do well, in our careers, in our talents, uh, the, the good things that we do. I mean, that's what we want. That's what we're attracted to do because we 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 have a tendency as human beings to be kind of uh, performance driven, and you know I think that performance is a good thing, but it has to be um, in the hands of God. We we mm-hmm. are my name means source for the glory of God, mm-hmm. and so that is an example mm-hmm. that you know this process of how was the food made and. What is a sword made for? Well, a sword on its own can't be a weapon. It has to be in the hand of the warrior. And God is the, he's the Lord of the battle. And so, you know, my life, as I look at it now, I go, wow, God, you know, you, you made me with purpose. And you have, I have come through the gamut of the preparation. And now I'm held by your side in a position of honor. Mm-hmm. And I'm held in your hand as a weapon against darkness. Yes. Because I believe that God wants to take every person and these women that are listening, you mm-hmm. have purpose. Mm-hmm. And you don't even know, you may feel like you're, it, it's hopeless for you. You may feel like you've messed up or you've, mm-hmm. you've just made the final mistake of your life and you're never going to get out of this hole. Mm-hmm. But I want you to know that God sees you and he has purpose for you and nothing can stop his plan unless you choose to not align with his heart. Oh. And so this is part of the process. It's, it's really about surrender to him yes. and saying, I trust you, and I'm yes. going to give my life to you, yes. and I'm going to start to draw these boundaries with what I see as unhealthy, and I'm going to mm-hmm. trust you mm-hmm. that you will take care of me and you will provide for me mm-hmm. as I do this. You know, we have to tackle another thing here before plumb out of time, and that is something no one wants to talk about <laughs> or hear about or do, and that is forgiveness. Because it's like, oh, what? Yeah. Now you're saying I need to yeah. forgive this person who, uh, you know, my dad who abused me or my husband who abused me in the past or, you know, whatever the thing is. Right. It's like you want me to forgive. And you say one of the biggest struggles here is that we have this need for control. And somehow right. forgiving seems like we're giving up control. So talk right. us through what forgiveness looks like, what it is, what it isn't, how you've worked this out in your life? Well, the need for control really comes out of our fear. Yeah. It's based in our fear. Mm-hmm. And so if we can take our fears to the Lord and let Him help us to unpack them one by one, mm. then we begin to surrender and say, I trust you. I trust you here, yeah. right here, yeah. where I'm terrified. Mm. And that is what I've had to do over and over and over again. I was just thinking this morning, probably the biggest thing I've ever said to the Lord, the most frequent words I've ever said to Him besides worshiping Him is, I trust 
you. Mm. I trust you mm. in this. When I was terrified, mm. when I was shaking. Mm. And so in that, we are then able to hand him mm. the things that offend us, that have wounded us, that have betrayed us, and say, God, give me the grace to understand how to forgive. Yeah. And I believe that it is his spirit that then begins to reveal to us, and we begin to see through his eyes and not our own, because we've moved out of our fear, Debbie. When we can rise above our fear, and that's how mm. the enemy works, yeah. to keep us down and to keep us um, tethered to the ground so that we can't fly, we can't see from an eagle's view. Mm-hmm. But when we begin to see from heaven's viewpoint, and we understand that the whole human race has been under siege by the enemy, mm-hmm. that he roams around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Yeah. We see that this is a lot bigger than us. Yes. Yes. And then we begin to understand, okay, I'm going to partner with God mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. And his grace is sufficient for me. Yeah. And his heart is now mine. And so I'm going to love people that are broken. Mm-hmm. And it removes me from being the victim to then becoming the person who can lay down their life for a friend. Now, and we're not saying, and I know you're not saying that because you forgive that you're actually going to be in a close relationship necessarily no. with this person because no. they might be unsafe, right? Right. Now, see, and what we talked about earlier was boundaries. And yes. So this, this thing, about, this is a heart thing I'm talking about. Yes, A yes. heart position. Yes. So at the same time, and this is where it gets confusing, at the same time, we have to separate from the things that are inappropriate, mm-hmm. uh, that would try to hurt us uh, in the natural realm. And that's why we've got to have those boundaries. And so often when we're in a relationship that's abusive, that person will not accept those boundaries. Mm-hmm. They will crush them. Yeah. And if that's the case, then you have to remove yourself from that person so that you can grow strong in understanding how, what God would have you to do mm-hmm. and you know, in allowing yes. him to heal you. Yes, that's so good. You know, one last quick thought here, and then we'll be out of time, but uh, because we wanted to really spend just one moment at least talking about really embracing your true identity. And you say we need to live in the I am identity. What do you mean? Yeah. Well, in that chapter, I talk about Moses and how he was on the backside of the desert. He'd left, you know, he'd been raised in uh, Egypt as a royal, uh, part of the royal court. And you know, he had this confused identity. He was actually a Hebrew child. And here he was on the backside of this desert, shepherding another man's sheep. And at this point of his life, he's nearly 80 years old, and he's, he's stuttering by now. He's probably insecure. He's confused. He feels broken. No accolades. Everything is behind him. And he meets the great I am mm. in the form of the burning bush. And it's on this sacred ground that God speaks into Moses, that Moses awakens for the first time. For the first time, Moses has purpose. For the first time, Moses can see who he is because God has called him by name. Mm. And God tells him that his name is I Am. And I mention in the book how that we cannot even say our own name without saying his name first. Mm. I Am, Mm. Brenda Crouch. We come from our Creator God. We are here because of Him. And He is the one that completes our identity. We cannot have true identity without knowing Him first. Yes. 
Yes, so good, so good. And so we're just going to invite listeners to, <clears throat> excuse me, dig deeper into their Bible, spend more time reading in Psalms and, you know, yeah. in, uh, different places that will ha- start to kind of fill you up with who you are, who the great I am yeah. says you are. And as you do that, I mean, we just pray that, that you will absorb that in your heart and mind and spirit, who God says you are, the beloved child of his, right? Yes, amen. Amen, amen. Boy, thank you so much for sharing your story with us, for being transparent. We appreciate that because it takes a little bit of courage, and so we thank you so much, Brenda. Thank you, Debbie. Blessings to you and your ministry. And we do have a couple of copies of this book to give away. If you'd like to receive a free copy in the mail, as our copies last anyway, email producer at debbiechavez.com. Again, that's producer at debbiechavez.com. And then ask for the book Fight Forward. We'll see if we can get a free copy in the mail to you. And don't forget to check out today's other podcasts at faithplace.org. On Bander Brothers Radio today, May 30th, they tackled God's expectations for purity for men, whether they're married or unmarried. Again, you'll find that at faithplace.org, along with hundreds of other podcasts. Until we connect again, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. Mm-hmm.